saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter season to all of you. Obviously, great. We're getting close to ascension. Excuse me. So, but today is Tuesday, the 24th of May, as the light of Christ shines on us from Genesis chapter 2. Yesterday with Pastor David Duke, we we're very blessed as we look at the beginning. The, the jewel there is that our Lord has created everything. The triune God was there from the very beginning. And everything, as we know, as we go to Genesis 2, is perfect. But something was missing. Kind of one of those crazy parts of reality that we've heard Genesis, it's kind of being, Genesis 2 being kind of like a wave. You know how a wave goes up and there's a crest and comes back a little bit? That's like it is in Genesis 1 to Genesis 2. That Genesis 1 gives the whole story and then it comes back to show you the crown jewel of the whole story, which is the creation of those made in God's image, man and woman, complete as one. It wasn't a different day, I've heard people say that, but we hear of the creation of man and woman in his image to show us that this was the highlight of all creation. So we able to receive that message again today. Open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we welcome back regular guest, Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. Pastor Lekomsky, happy Easter, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Yeah, blessed Easter to you and blessed pre-ascension, <laughs> I guess. Is that what we would call it? <laughs> Today's pre-ascension? <laughs> it's not Ascension pre-ascension. Eve yet. <laughs> not even that. No. No. <laughs> well, what's going on for you and your family and uh, in Wrestling with the Basics? What's going on? Well, uh, we're just having a good time, as always, with Wrestling with the Basics. And actually, uh, I am talking to you for my last day here in New Athens, Illinois, uh, at least for nice. a few months. Uh, tomorrow we head back up to your neck of the woods. I hope you've got the weather nice and cool for us, but not too cool. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. the last few days have been in the 50s or so, and that's been okay. Um, yep. But it hasn't been below freezing, so that is always time <laughs> to celebrate here in Minnesota. So we're excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah as long as it's above 32, it's a good day in Minnesota. <laughs> it's a good day. I'm into that. So, Pastor, anything else? Um, Your family as well? And, no, we, uh, we, yep. we, we got to get started. I don't know that we'll get this all in in an hour. The teleport operator, we might go till an hour and a half. <laughs> they might have to delay wow. future shows. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. I tell you what, this is a good moment for us. Pastor Lekomsky has some restraint, and he didn't just keep talking. He stopped, and now we're going to move on. What do you think of that, Pastor? There you go. That's absolutely right. So I, I'm <laughs> ready right. to pray and get get at this text. So, well, I'm ready for it too because Genesis two is such an important piece uh, for us to be able to dig into. So, Pastor, can you begin our time in prayer? Oh, Lord, we, we thank you for this wonderful, wonderful revelation you give us in the, the first chapters of Genesis, in fact, in the entirety of your Holy Scripture. So help us to see these as not just some ancient myth, but as a, a Word of God that has direct application to everything we're going to be doing today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Reminder to listeners, if you have any questions for our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call in on this live stream, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but just want to see if there's anything you want to highlight as we start off. I do like how you said this isn't some mythical story. Some people try to compare it to that, but we believe that this actually happened, that this is a true story that happened in history and is foundational for all of our faith, especially for a few dynamics that we have here today. So, Pastor, how do you want to start us off? Well, and, and just what you alluded to earlier, so chapter one kind of gives us an overview of the entirety of creation, uh, but obviously we don't care about God making aardvarks. <laughs> we're glad he did, <laughs> but what we're really concerned about is where do we fit into the picture, and that's, of course, what uh, Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 and really the rest of the Bible is all about, how we fit into that creation of God. So I would I would, I would be up to it if you could read like the first three verses. Do you mind if I do yep. this sectioning today? Would that be Okay. So that, that you know what I um, you're 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 chomping at the bit. So let's do this. We will read verses okay. one through three as we look at the seventh day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the day, because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. So. Chapter 2 begins with the beginning and the ending at the same time. So day 7, what does it tell us? So a couple of things here that I learned new. So that's how I'm excited. That's why I'm chomping at the bit Ooh, because you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 70 years old and I'm still... For number one, did you ever think about the fact this establishes the pattern of the week? That's what this is. Yeah. We now have mm-hmm. a week. And did it ever occur to you that, that there's no reason to have a week? You know, everything else we do calendar-wise is it has a, a, a basis in astrology, the movement of the moon and the stars and the sun. And some people choose the moon, some people choose the sun. But but everything we do calendar-wise has some astrological significance to it. Uh, it's, it's a crude representation of the astrological significance and that we just mm. can't get it right. There's, well, we'll consider every four years you've got to have a leap year. Why? Well, because the way we're counting and doing days and hours and stuff doesn't really fit what actually happens. It's close. But, 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 and then, of course, every hundred years we don't have a leap year when we should because that system does well, well, anyway, so it just tickles me that we're humans and we're trying to capture uh, the thing that God created and we just can't quite get it right. But what tickles me even more is to think that we have ordered our lives around a principle that is strictly from the Bible. You know, no mm. pagan, they, don't, they didn't come up with a week. The Bible came up with the concept of the week, and yet our lives are driven by this whole pattern of the week. And I wonder how many atheists out there think, well, I don't want to have anything to do with God. I'm thinking God's just got to be laughing. Your whole life circles around a pattern that God established arbitrarily. And yet we've just all fallen in line and followed the whole seven-day-a-week thing. And I thought, well, that, that's really cool. I never thought about that. Uh, there's no reason to have a week, except that, that in the beginning, that's what God said. That's how we're going to do it, seven days. So, And this is where, you know, in Psalm 2, it just said God looks down and laughs you know, upon us. And I think that <laughs> that relates to this too. Like, I don't need God at all. And you're like, okay, well, you're taking that nap. Oh, I kind of, I kind of created that for you. You know, you go to bed at night. I kind of did that for you. The seven yep. days, 
is a good deal. I kind of did that for you as well. It's kind of, uh, let me ask you this, Pastor. It's interesting. Why would God need to rest? I mean, he's God. He doesn't need to rest. Why would he have a day of rest? How would you answer your confirmand when they ask that question? All right. Well, so, so this actually is going to lead into the second thing that I didn't realize. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, see, right away when you read this verse, you're thinking Sabbath day, aren't you? Right. Honestly, tell me the truth. You're thinking, yep. but did, did, yeah. did, did you ever realize there's no mention of the Sabbath in here? This is not okay. a Sabbath. Now, now it's, the Sabbath day is based upon this. I'm not denying that. But the whole concept of a Sabbath doesn't actually come up until, what, hundreds, thousands of years later uh, when, when God gives Moses the law and, and it's mm-hmm. an Israelite uh, ceremonial thing. Uh, but, but see, I'd, when I would have read this or heard it, I would be hearing on the seventh day, God finished and he rested on the Sabbath day. But it is what it says. <laughs> the word Sabbath is not mentioned, like I said, until what, Exodus 14 or something like that. Um, but it goes back to your original question, uh, because, cause, yeah, see, here's the idea. Uh, um, we need to have a time to, t- okay, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> you asked why God rested, yeah. and it's not because yeah. he's tired. That's not what the issue is about. It's not like, oh, man, I'm wore out. That was really something. <laughs> I spoke all the, no, no, the point is the sense of the word rested here is it's done. It's what he said in the verse at the end of chapter one. This is done. It's good. It's very good. And now he's just sitting back and saying, wow, this this was exactly everything that I intended it to be. So it's not a sense in taking rest. Now, that's a good thing for us, like you said. I'm not denying that. And that comes in then later when God says in the Ten Commandments, you shall honor the Sabbath day. But but at this point, the concept is simply that God has completed everything he needed to do. And now let's go back and look at some of the details of the things that God did do. Uh, but yeah, no, it's not, like you said, not that God's tired. It's just that his work of creation, he's rested from the work of creation. And darn it, then we make him get up and work again. Because <laughs> we sin. <laughs> you know, he could have just been sitting back on his laurels and said, man, did I do a good job of creation? But of course, as you'll deal with tomorrow, we fall into sin and all of a sudden God's got to get up and he's got to work again. <laughs> mm, yeah. You well, have to get I don't up in think... the middle of the night because your kids were crying or something. Of, of, well, of course, yeah, of course. That's Volcatio. Darn you, kids! Yeah, right. Do you oh, think, yeah. Do, 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 oh, yeah. Do you think God goes? Oh man, I'm going to go have to save them. <laughs> no, I don't think He's felt that way at all. And and it does. <laughs> the scriptures do not speak that way, but we could imagine no. for sure. Now, Exodus 20 is where we get the Ten Commandments. Um, remember, Sabbath yep. day is uh, verse eight of Exodus 20, and this is just really interesting because it does reflect. You know, the reality of that seventh day, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor on your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not work, da-da-da-da. Therefore, the Lord has blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. It's just interesting. Yeah, it does not say Sabbath in here, and I don't know what that really necessarily means. So we just let the the text speak that God rested. Um, He made it holy. That seventh day is holy. And uh, and from there, we we have a lot of, I would say, uh, implications that flow to us, our own need for rest, um, to know that com- the creation was complete. It wasn't like he finished half of it and then decided to finish another half millions of years later or something. It was all done right there. And, and now we move forward, which as we move forward, we know that, you know, that that path is not always a perfect one. And that's very clear, even when everything was already perfect with the Lord. So anything else in those first three verses, Pastor? 
Well, so so here's here's the difference. Here's the difference, and and this is the beauty of it. This is the seventh day from a gospel perspective, and the gospel perspective is it's all done, and that is the gospel. I hope everybody understands. You have absolutely nothing to do to get forgiveness, eternal life, and certainly the love of God. That's all been done and accomplished. See, that's the sense we have of the original seven-day period, that there's a day when you can just sit back and reflect. You know what? I did a lot of things this week, and they were good things because I love people and I took care of my family. That's always a good thing. You can't go wrong in, in loving and caring and doing things for people. But you know what? I, I really didn't need to do any of that. And not at least to get God's love, not at least to get to heaven, you know. But see, then then you get the Sabbath back from a law perspective, where now it becomes an obligation. Now it becomes a requirement. Now it becomes something to say, we will do this and we will live, see. And then Jesus comes back in the picture and turns it back into a gospel thing. And, and, and I say a gospel thing because, what? well, that's what Paul said, right? Paul says in Colossians, you don't need the Sabbath anymore. Those things don't apply to you anymore. Don't let anybody judge you about a Sabbath. Why? Because it's the shadow. You know, Christ was the reality, and it was a shadow. And what's the shadow? Well, Jesus rested, didn't he? Jesus got everything done for our salvation. God got everything done for the creation. Jesus got everything done for the redemption. And then what does Jesus do? He rests. He rests. Because he already said it is finished. It's all accomplished. You know, and so Jesus, and then, of course, on the next day, Jesus rises from the grave. Uh, and, and so for us, see, it's not a Jewish ritual. It's not an obligation, unfortunately, for a lot of people it is. But for us, it's like we need to have some time to celebrate the fact that God has done it all for us, gave us everything in terms of this world, gave us everything in the terms of the life eternal, uh, the world to come uh, in heaven. Uh, and, and here's the great thing. You can do that on a Sunday morning, and most of us do because it's convenient, right? We, most of us can get away on a Sunday morning to do that. But you could do it on a Tuesday. Oh, my God, we're doing it right now. <laughs> See? Mm-hmm. Or you could do it on a Saturday night or a Wednesday evening, or you can gather on a Thursday on a Sunday. See, that's the beautiful thing for us because it's no longer that Jewish ritual where you've got to do it. It's on a Saturday, by the way, not a Sunday. you got to do it. So it's totally changed now for us as Christians. Um, well, anyway, so that's all I wanted to say about the Sabbath. Yeah. And it brings us back to the Ten Commandments again, the small catechism, when it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, like you mentioned, we should fear and love God so we do not despise preaching in his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. And part of that is is that, once again, receiving the gospel to realize that he has done all the work. And that's done not only on a certain day, but every day that we are able to receive this, to be in his word, uh, that is where we are in a Sabbath or we are resting as our Lord rested as well. So, so, so Pastor, I mean, and I know you're juiced. Uh, you want to move on. And what verses do you want to do? Yep. Well, let's, let's do four to six. Four to six. All right, four to six. here's a problem, again, that I never had because I never really took the time to study these verses. Darn you, Brady, I could have stayed in my ignorance except, oh, well, let's do Genesis 2. okay i'm trying i'm trying (laughs) so let's keep moving four to six these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the lord god made the earth and the heavens when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the lord god had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to drown 
and a mist was going up from the land and the watering, uh, excuse me, and was watering the whole face of the ground. So this, this brings up many questions, but it lays the foundation. What, what, what's happening? Well, okay, so so here, here's the thing. I, I actually do Genesis 2 as part of my adult instruction, or did yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. But but I start with the part where, where, where God creates man, okay? So I, I really didn't ever focus on these verses. And so I'm reading this, and I thought, well, wait, wait a second. I, I thought God created plants on day three, and then he created man on day six. But according to this, there is no bush in the field yet. There is no small plant yet sprung up. There's not even any rain. Uh, so what is that? What happened here? <laughs> if we got uh, so so, have you ever wrestled with that? How do you how do you reconcile? How do you harmonize this right. verse where it says, "Well, we don't have any of this, but we're we're creating man," <laughs> with what we yeah. have in the first chapter where we already have it on day three, uh, and man doesn't show up until day six. Uh, th- that is a very difficult part that often I struggle with. So, what did you find on it? All right. Well, actually, I stumbled across an answer in the dictionary of all places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I read the commentaries, and they kind of thought, well, okay, we won't even mention it. Maybe no one will ask. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but the dictionary suggested there, there's a couple of possibilities, that, that the words here for bush of the field and small plant of the field, uh, with that field word in there, that they're talking about a cultivated uh, a plant. So not the wild plants, not the growth that we experience when we walk through the woods and admire the beauty of God's creation. But these are the things, as it says, a man has worked the ground. He's tended it. So that's one possibility that it's saying, well, there's no cultivation yet. We have plants, but man hasn't come and, and, and tended them, tended them, which is going to be the command, right? So that, that's a possibility. That's a po- the other possibility that they suggested is that what you have in uh, Genesis 1 is the world as a whole. Okay, this is the world in general. But now we're talking about the specifics of a specific part of that creation, the so-called Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden at this point, well, again, there, there might be some life, some plants there, but, but they haven't been organized. They haven't been made into a garden, right? Do, do you ever go to the Missouri Botanical, Botanical Garden, uh, um, Brady? I, I have, yep. I've been there. Yep, I've been there. So, you know, it, it's beautiful, and, and it almost has an appearance that it's just but, – but you know it's organized. You know someone's arranged that, put it together in a certain way. It's not the kind of wildness you would encounter if you would go, say, to, to the, the woods of Colorado or something like that. So that's a second possibility, that the description here is what things were like in the Garden of Eden. Uh, but you know what I really like <laughs> is the Jewish explanation. Uh, so the Jewish explanation is that the plants were there, but they hadn't grown yet. They hadn't grown. They were all underneath the earth, but they hadn't grown. And so God puts Adam in there, and Adam looks around and says, hey, man, we need, we need some rain for a starter. We need to do some tilling here. And then God answers his prayer, and that's why we end up having more than just mist, as the text says. That's why we end up having rain. And then, of course, everything starts sprouting and blooming and growing in the trees. So that's their explanation, that, that God had it all out there, but it hadn't yet Hadn't yet, hadn't yet grown yet. So those are three possibilities. Uh, take your pick. <laughs> okay. And, and I like how you how you lay that out. Is first of all, we begin with an understanding of God is the Creator. 
Okay, so we're not talking about some kind of formational weirdness that that just kind of came yeah. about. So God, God is the one who created and sustained this reality. And also, well, you know, there's a lot of things that we just don't know. And so we're able to look at it with saying that the scriptures are true and to be able to kind of explore a little bit, kind of not dream is the right word, but to be able to explore a little bit of the text, but still cling to only what the text says. And I like how they laid that out is how is this possible? Okay, well, here's the best we know. At the end of it, what we do, we lay at the Lord's feet and say, well, help us to understand. And then we move on yeah. and get to the get to some of the main points. But it is a good, I know I, um, we, we tend to get to that point where like, well, don't ask those questions. Well, sometimes those questions really bring up other realities like, wow, um, when I plant a seed, it grows. And that could have been part of creation to see God's order, like you said, happen in the way that he had it. In verse 15, it talks about the Lord put the man there to work the garden. You know, this is before the fall. So obviously Adam was already working. So it makes sense that this needed a little bit of tender, loving care, if you will. So there's there's a lot of those connections that go into that. And it really brings us back once again to the truth of what's what's said. Anything else, Pastor, in those verses? Well, well, I just like what you just said there, Brady, both of what you said. The fact that is there are mysteries in the Bible, and, and so we take whatever the text says, and, and, and you do kind of like the way the, the Jews are trying to use the fact that, uh, it, that we have to have an Adam to tend the ground and, and all that. But yeah, yeah, ultimately, we just say, well, I, I don't know. We don't understand, but but we do know that uh, this is this is what the Bible says. Um, and, and the other thing that always tickles me is, I, I think I, I, I suspect if we really understood the Hebrew of the bush of the fields and the small plant, it wouldn't be a problem to us at all. It would make perfect sense because I don't right. think Moses wrote this thinking, "Oh, this is going to confuse people." No, I, I think when Moses wrote it, he knew exactly what he was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, <laughs> see some of that some of that language we've lost, and 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 it's a comforting reminder that that everything that we need to know is in there and it's clear. Uh, that that's a strange thing that at the one hand the Bible is sometimes very difficult, and then on the other hand everything we need to know for our salvation isn't difficult at all. It's just as plain as day, uh, and we're going to see that as we move our way through these opening chapters of Genesis. Okay, so what other what verses do you want to do next? Well, let, let's do the actual creation. Then let's go to verse seven and uh, yeah, let's <laughs> seven and seven through nine. Seven through nine. All right, let's do it. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil." Pastor, I'll say this first. We were made out of dirt, so we got yeah. that going for us. What else you got? <laughs> well, and of course, see, that's the thing. And Moses is having fun. He's having fun because it says, uh, the Lord God formed the Adam, the Adam, uh, out of the dust of the Adamah. <laughs> so we are the, we're the dirt guys, we're the clods out of the dirt. <laughs> That's what we are. Right. So I hope people understand that. That's what Adam means. It means the dirt. We're the clods. <laughs> We're the ground. But but that's the whole point. If God doesn't intervene, if he doesn't put his breath into us, then we are nothing. But the other point is, is this isn't how God made anything else. It's not how he made the aardvarks. He said, let there be aardvarks, and there were aardvarks. 
but he took special time for you and me. He formed us. He made us the way we, we look, and, and he put his breath, his life into us. That's why this text is so cool. You need to know that God loves all his creation, just like we love all of our children. But, but you know, I love children as a whole. I, I, I think kids are neat. But, of course, there are certain kids. We talked about this last time. There, there are certain kids that are the technon. They're the ones that I love as special because they're my my children, my grandchildren. And you just have to realize that's our relationship with God. He, You are really, really special. And he took the time to form you. He took the time to put his own life and breath in you. He didn't do that for anything else in his creation. So, And so he continues, and he, so, okay, he, he creates man, which would be Adam. Uh, he breathed life into him. Which I think is just one of those really great, like you could, it goes back to Ezekiel, you know, that, that these bones, you know, they have skin and everything, but they have no life in it, which is that they need the spirit. They need the Lord to breathe into them this living reality, which once again shows us we need the Lord from beginning to end, that he's the one who breathes that life into us. Any thoughts on that part? Well, and I like the fact you use the word spirit there, because it has to be done again. Something happened. We, we're no longer the creations that God really originally made us. Originally, when he, he formed us and breathed into us, we were going to live forever. Uh, now, now, there's speculations. Would we have spent our whole life in Eden? Or would we have spent some time here and then God would have taken us up to heaven? Well, again, like you talked about earlier, I, I don't know. Those are mysteries the Bible doesn't answer. But I do know this, that you and I are not going to live forever anymore. We're going to die. And trust me, when you get to be almost 70, that becomes a bigger reality than it ever was before. Have a major heart attack. Then all of a sudden, goes, oh, yeah, I am going to die. But see, that's the cool thing now. He's done it again, hasn't he? He's come back again, and he's breathed into us. Only this time he's breathed into us through his word, through his baptism. We took the Lord's Supper Sunday through that body and blood, putting the life back into us. Unfortunately, the, the, the body's going to end up dying. But no, there's this new life that will get a new body and have a new eternity. So, so it's just God's just constantly working because he loves us so much. You know, otherwise you could have said, well, that was a mess up. We'll, 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 we'll try another creation, some other planet. But no, he's totally committed to us and that remains so. Yeah. So he builds the Garden of Eden and, and he, okay, so he puts the man there. And that, like all says in verse 8, whom he had formed, just just yeah. that emphasis once again of God control of this, that this is not something he just left his creation, right? This is his formation. And from there, there's all these good food. We hear about this in chapter one. And then there's two trees. Now, now just everyone, I mean, if you've listened to this program enough, people in my own congregation know this very well. I, I, I don't plant trees very well. So it's kind of like, wow, this is just not good. They die or I just don't want to deal with it or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm all for trees. It's just they don't do well in my yard. So I'll say it that way. <laughs> but you have two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, obviously, that becomes important later on in our text. But any thoughts on that? We have about a minute before our break here, Pastor. Any thoughts on those two trees right. that the Lord yeah. plants? So really the only thought I think we need to make at this point is that Moses— inspired by the Holy Spirit, is also a really good author. And good authors do foreshadowing, they call it. They lay something out that doesn't seem all that important at the time, but it is really important. And that's what we're going to hear as we come back. What is this tree of knowledge of good and evil? What is this tree of life? What's that all about? Uh, because it's the key thing, though, in the story that continues from these verses. 
So very good. So and let's get to we'll our break. Well, also, well, well, we'll go also this thing about the well, we'll deal with this thing about the river because that again is a puzzle. But we'll deal about ah, that when we come back to the break. Too. Very good. So we're we're ready to take our break. We're studying uh, Genesis chapter two with Pastor John Lekomsky, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Studying and praying Genesis 2 with Pastor John Lekomsky. And Pastor, we just got to verse 9. And like you said, there's there's a lot there that we could probably spend a long time. But anything else you want to highlight verses 1 through 9 before we move on? Uh, nope. Let's read verses 10 through 14, and then we get to the really good stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. It keeps coming. There's more. So verse 10. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon, is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold in the land that is good, Bedillium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon, is the one that flowed in the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Pastor, before you say anything to this, this was the moment I remember in uh, uh, the the Old Testament class we had that we basically, how we distracted the professor was asking him, where is the curtain Garden of Eden today? And that led him on an hour-long talk about the theories about where it is. So I want to make sure we don't quite try to figure out where the Garden of Eden is today. But what is Moses' emphasis in these verses? Okay. So let me just preface my comments by saying that what I'm about to share with you uh, it comes comes straight from Martin Luther uh, and his commentary on Genesis. In fact, anything good that you heard from me today probably came from Luther's commentary uh, on Genesis. By the way, Volume 1 of Luther's Works, it is available at Concordia Publishing House. Tell them that John sent you. <laughs> do you get you get incentives from this or what? Yeah, I wish I did. I should, but I don't. But but seriously, it, it's just a fun, fun book to read. And if you're doing Genesis, people ought to get it. And it's it's, it's fairly readable. But anyway, we got to get to the point. So so Luther's answer is we don't know. We have no idea or way of knowing. We're not supposed to know. So let's not even worry about finding various theories about where it is. But Luther said, here's the thing: these are all real rivers. 
So again, it points out that, that Moses is trying to tell you, I'm not telling you some story here, because when you tell a story, it happens in Never Never Land, right? That's where it takes place. You don't need to give rivers or, or local, you know, actual locations, unless you're talking about something that's real. But Luther points out that none of this can be true, because these rivers aren't anywhere near close to each other. There is no way that one single river could flow out of Edom and become these four rivers at least not as we know geography now. And that's the point. You read this and you realize, oh my gosh, something has changed. It's not like it was when God first created the world. When we first created, yeah, all this was all unified. It was all connected. But now it's all separate and there's there's valleys and there's wastelands. And oh, okay, yeah, now we see. Now it's not the world that God created. Now it's not very good. Now it's a world of mm-hmm. sin. Now it's a world where the flood has come and changed all the tributaries and all the rivers so that they will know. So no, you'll never find Eden anymore because things are so radically different. Uh, I experience that somewhat when I go home to my hometown in Independence. Uh, I haven't lived there for 45 years. And when I go back, sometimes I can't find where, I, where I'm going to go anymore because it's all different. It's all changed. The landmarks are no longer there. So that's, that's Luther's understanding. And I think it's a good way of looking at mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's historical, and yet no, no, you're not going to be able to line it up with what's here now because it's all different. It's all different than when God first made. In fact, isn't that beautiful? At the beginning, there was just this one. Everything flowed out of the Garden of Eden. That was the yeah. key to everything, and everything else found its connection to the Garden of Eden. But say, not anymore. And this is where it brings us to 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 the end of the scriptures. Where here we see this river all flowing out of Eden, and you go to Revelation 22, which brings us to what we have to look forward to when Christ returns, is this tree of life, and you have the river that is flowing through, you know, basically the middle of the street of the city. You have this this crystal, uh, water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It is this perfect imagery of seeing that this river of life that has, we are not able to fully see here, but will be restored as it was in Eden. So we go back um, to the beginning, um, go back to the future. I'm not sure if that connects on this one, but it goes, it goes to what we know will be there. So we get a glimpse of it, what it was, and we get a glimpse of what it will be and in eager anticipation of that day when Christ returns. So I, I, I really love reading that and connecting it to Revelation as much as I possibly can, or else I just get confused and, and have our professor go on and on about his theory. So it doesn't work so well. So, <laughs> so anyways, and, Pastor. And, and, and Brady, what, what a great insight. So thank God for the Spirit and, and for you. Because see, there you have it. So, so it was all just the way it should be, good, very, very good. And now it's just, but, oh, but it's going to be that way again. See? God never abandons his creation. And you're right. So there it is in Revelation. I See, I never thought about that connection, but that's absolutely right. Everything's back just the way it should be, and it all flows again. And this time it flows from Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate revelation of how much God loves us. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And, and uh-huh. now, now we get God talking to us, which is cool. Right. He's talking to us. Yeah. Mm. So let's, uh, what verses do you want now, Pastor? 17? Uh, yeah, yeah. 15 through 17? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Here we go. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and keep it. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil will not eat. Say that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Pastor, before you say anything, I want to make sure that we have our words correct, because as we go yep. forward, that the words here, we just go by the plain text, and just to make sure what he says, he says, and then, you know, what does Adam and Eve say a little bit later? But We'll get to that later, oh, yeah. but what's yeah. happening here in 15 through 7? So, so uh, Luther points out, this is Adam's Bible. I mean, you're talking about what we got. Man, think about how much better we have it than, than Adam, because we've got Genesis, we've got Revelation, we've got the Gospels in between, we've got the Prophets, the Psalms, but this is a sum and substance of Adam's Bible. This is the only word he asked from God. Uh, you may surely eat of all, all trees, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because on that day you shall surely die. Uh, so this is the sum and substance, and yet... If you think about it, this pretty well gives you everything you need to know about God, at least the basics. Uh, we have a God of freedom. I think that's what people don't understand. We're constantly in God saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And yet the first commandment is, eat any tree you want. Just have a good time. <laughs> okay? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's that surely word. It's like he's just trying to emphasize, look, I'm not trying to put any restrictions on you. You guys, get in that garden, Adam. Have a good time. Try out all, try those peaches, try those apples. Probably fruits that you and I have. Well, they tell me that even today, there are thousands and thousands of fruits that you and I are not even aware of because we don't we don't fertilize or, or, or cultivate them here in the United States. But you talk mm. to someone in the Philippines and they'll say, oh, man, this is a really good. You don't have that in the United States? Uh, um, so, so anyway, that's the beautiful thing. We've got a God who wants to provide for us in abundance, and it's a surely thing. And then, Brady, you understand this business about not eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because I know you've done this to your kids probably a hundred times. There's a pot of boiling spaghetti on the stove. And what do you tell your kids? Don't touch it. Exactly. Now, that's because you're a mean, (laughs) wicked father. You just don't want your kids to have fun. No, of course not. No. Go ahead. No, exactly right. Yeah, I mean, you do that because that hurts. I've done it before. You grab that stuff, that hurts the hand. I don't want that. I don't want you to hurt. So there it is. You've done it before. Right, right. (laughs) Don't touch the boiling pot. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, So there we have it. So you have a God who wants to give you all the good stuff in the world, but he doesn't want, well, doesn't want you to die. And you eat of it, you'll surely die. But it's all motivated by love. I know as kids, we always thought our parents were trying to boss us around. And as sinful people, that's what we say. God's trying to boss us around. Believe you me, God does not need to boss you around. God is God. He's in control. He can make you do whatever he wants you to do. But that's not the kind of God he is. He's a God of love, a God of mercy, a God who warns us because he doesn't want us to hurt. He certainly doesn't want us to die. And as you've already alluded that's where it's going to turn tragic, isn't it? As you've already alluded, you're right. Uh, tomorrow, when you come back, you'll have to see what Adam and Eve say, because apparently they weren't paying attention. They weren't listening to the Word of God, okay? Uh, but anyway, what other thoughts do you have? Well, and, and it's interesting, just to make sure that we know who heard these words to begin with. Right now, yeah. we have no Eve yet. There's no, there's no right. woman in this no scenario. Eve. So he spoke to Adam. Okay, so before we start 
blaming Eve for everything later on. Let's remember who got the command. No, it's, okay? fault. it's entirely Eve's fault. Don't don't mislead people. It's always the woman. Right. And so yeah. why he did what he did as far as we could go down, well, why would he do such a thing? Even put that tree of knowledge of good and evil even in the garden. We don't know, but we do know the story and how it um how it gets revealed to us and the situation that is there. All of it, like you said, he's done out of love for his people and his creation. So right now, all we know is that we have Adam. He's there. He's he's uh, bearing fruit, and and it's it's perfect. So, Pastor, anything else before we move on? Oh yeah, yeah. Because you actually it's, it's, it's got my mind going. See, we do know why there's a tree that you can eat of and die. You want to know why? Please. Because when when God makes life, there's going to be death. Oh. See, as long as we're just a clod of dirt, it's not a problem. Right? Dirt doesn't die. But as soon as he breathes into us, as soon as he makes us alive, there's always the possibility of death. You cannot have life without the possibility of death. God knew that when he breathed into us. God knew that when he made creation. So he says, I've got a plan. It's going to be so simple. I'm going to put death, I'm going to put it in one spot. And I'm going to tell people, don't eat that. In fact, I'll, I'll, it's not about her touching it. You could go look at it even, but whatever you do, don't eat it, because then you will surely die. That word's going to come up again, isn't it, when you do chapter 3? But but do you understand? That's what it was. God said, I'll make it so simple. All you got to do is just avoid that tree, and then you will have eternal life. It'll be yours forever. But, of course, even making it so simple— no, no, that's that's just how we are. That's just, and he knew that, and he knew what it was going to cost him too. See, when he put that tree in there, he knew that that meant his son was going to have to die on the tree. But that's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves us. He, he even though he knew it, he still did it. He still did it because he's totally committed to us. But but anyway, uh, that's always been my thought. There, there's got to be death, and God did everything he could to put it in some way where it wouldn't have to bother us. But he knew it wouldn't. That that plan wouldn't work. But he had a he had a plan, another plan, where his son would die on a tree for us. Yeah, he the son will surely die too, won't he? Yeah, mm. yeah. Even though he said, "Take this cup away from me," no, that was a surely. But for our benefit, for our sakes, for our forgiveness. All right, I'm sorry. You got me worked up there. <laughs> I, did. <laughs> I did. I did. We I did. Yeah. So it was. Yeah. What verses do you want to continue with? Well, can we do just one verse? Just one verse, verse and then then verse we can 18. go from there. Then yeah. the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, Pastor, before I, you say anything here, too, I yeah. want to say this, yeah. that this is one of the more common biblical passages quoted. And it often happens when a, a man, married man, typically, will have about a week away and his wife goes away for whatever reason. And in the middle of it, someone says, hey, Bill, how's it going? And they say, it is not good. For man to be alone. <laughs> All of a sudden, they know the scriptures. Who would have thought, you know? So, but anyways, Pastor, what is the Lord telling us here in verse eighteen? Well, well again, remember this is this is the Adam Bible. It's it's not not a lot there. We, we know about a God who wants us to have every good thing, and He wants us to avoid the things that would kill us, which is actually pretty limited. There's just one tree that's going to do you harm. But now we learn more about this God. We've got a God who who who's concerned about us. You know, isn't that amazing? He's concerned about Adam. And, and what's also amazing is he understands Adam. 
Now, 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 Brady, how does God know what it is to be alone? God's never been alone. Right, right. Well, yeah. for, for one thing, he's always been a trinity. He's always had a host of angels around him. And yet somehow God comprehends what loneliness is. Now, I'm going to make a big jump here, and it might, maybe I'm making too big a jump. But I'm thinking this is Jesus stuff here. I'm thinking of Jesus in the garden and coming back and finding his friends all asleep. I'm thinking of Jesus hanging on a cross saying, my God, my God, uh, why hast thou forsaken me? I'm thinking that's what loneliness is. And God understands that. Isn't that unbelievable, Brady? That God knows us. And he knows all of our sadnesses, all of our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. He knows our loneliness. And, and here's, the, here's the great thing. He wants to do something about that. That's not good. I'm going to do something. Because that's the other thing. I guess God could say, well, man, you got you really got a bad. You people on earth, you really have a bad. Man, I feel so sorry for you. It's pretty tough. But that's not the kind of God we have. We have a God who says, I know. I know how difficult, how hard it is. And I want to do something for you about it. And here's what I really like about that passage. He doesn't just say, I'll make him a helper, you know, but I'll make a helper fit for him. Uh, God doesn't want to just throw some solution at us. God wants to give us the very, very best solution possible. Uh, That's the kind of God he is. Now, I'm thinking I, I could go for this kind of God. A God who cares about me, a God who understands me, a God who wants to do something for me, and a God who wants to do the very best thing for me. Uh, now, sometimes it's really hard to believe in a God like that in a world where there's so many struggles and trials. But I'm just telling everybody out there, especially the people that are having struggles and trials, no, that's exactly what God is like. And just keep being patient, pray to him. Oh, and even if you don't pray to him, he's still going to be that God, you know. So that's part of the reason why you should pray to him. Well, anyway, Brady, what, what do you think? Well, as we look at this, it brings up just some realities that everything is perfect, but there's something missing. And, yeah. and that's and yeah. just a very unique aspect of Scripture here is that I think I think we can definitely see Jesus in this, that incarnational reality of him understanding enough that he, he comes to this earth to do what he needs to do. And here he has that understanding of they will be lonely, even though he doesn't have the concept of loneliness, showing he knows everything and out of love he serves his people. And so here he has a solution and he, and he brings it about that shows us not only a good order for us as humanity, you know, um, but it is something that shows us that we need help. And he brings that help to us um, as that one flesh that we will learn about. So, Pastor, we have about 10 minutes left. So let's, let's keep moving. What verses do you want to do? Well, let's go through verse 20. Let's All go right. through. We'll save the big finish for the year. All right. Yeah. Now, 19. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a, a helper fit for him. Right, Pastor, but now we're bringing the aardvarks in. Now we're, Adam must yeah. have named the aardvarks, okay? So what, what is he doing here? All right, so I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot because this, this is my adult instruction. And so we oh. read this, and then I would say to the class, and so I have the benefit of actually asking, what, maybe three or four hundred people this question. Uh, so why? 
Why does God send Adam off to name the animals, knowing full well, by the way, that it won't help, right? Because when it's all said and done, what's the phrase? There is not a helper fit for him. So we know what he needs. God knows what he needs. So he sends him off on a wild goose chase, essentially. So so why do you think, Brady? I'm just asking because I've had so many fun different answers. You got any idea why God would send him off to name animals? Knowing full well, that's not actually going to solve the problem. Oh boy, I um, yeah. Now I'm usually asking you the question. I don't know. I mean, obviously, Adam needs to understand that he that he okay. It's not good for me to be alone. And what will be good for me? So let's give him all the options that are not going to fit, so that he really likes the option that does fit. That that's my thought. First thought. Yeah, I, I and I like that answer. And I, I think probably from all the different answers I've gotten. That's probably the closest to the truth, uh, because you're right. God understands loneliness, but Adam doesn't. So maybe you have to do this exercise. So he just, my, my friend put it this way. So, so he named the animals. So a, a couple of ducks came up, and he named them. And a couple of horses came up, and he named them. And since Aardvark is the animal of choice, they come up, and he names them. And he said, well, wait a second. There were two ducks. There were two horses, two Aardvarks. But there's only one of me, so I, I think you got a great answer there. That that's probably it was. How do you mm-hmm. how do you tell a guy he's alone when he's never experienced loneliness? He doesn't know what that is. It's always been just Adam. Uh, the one that tickled me the best, though, Brady, and there's others. We're gonna have time. The one that tickled me the best was God had Adam name the animals because if he waited till Eve was created, it would never have got done. They would have been mm, constantly yeah. arguing about it. That's yeah. not a cow. That's a cat. No, no, I'm just so, so I so that that just tickled me. It was easier for Adam to answer by himself. Uh, oh my goodness! Well, that that is a theory. That is a theory. Um, it, it 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 is it is it is interesting to me too. This is a side note, really. Is verse nineteen? Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field. That I remember Dr. Uh, Dr. Aaron from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis emphasized that one time. And we all kind of opened up our Bibles and said, wait, the animals are made from the ground. Um, and, and we didn't ever think about that, but that's what it is. It says right there in the text, not only Adam, but the animals. Uh, any thoughts? Well, I, I just, I, no, I don't have, because I had never contemplated it before, but it certainly shows why it's fun to read these a second, a third, a fourth, oh, maybe yeah. a hundredth time, because there's always yeah. a little detail. Um, and I think that's cool. And, and I would have to reflect, just like you said before with my question, have to reflect on that. But it's there's something to give yep. it, I'm sure. Um, I, I would like to say one more thing, though, before we, we get to the big conclusion. Um, my answer to that question about why God had him uh, name the animals before he answers his uh, need. Uh, my answer always was, I have no idea, really, but I just know that's what he does, because he's right. done it to me a hundred times, you know, where he mm-hmm. he, I, I, uh, he puts me in a situation, and I do things, and, and, and it doesn't help, and I'm just, but, but I did that's how he does. That's how he does. And and I think I think what you said earlier, maybe maybe it's because we really don't know what we need. We we think we do. We think we've got it all pictured out in our mind. In fact, we've given God the the plans. Here it is, God. <laughs> all you got to do is follow this. It's five easy steps and everything we find. 
And, and I, I'm wondering if that isn't just God saying, you, you don't you don't even know what you need. How could you possibly give me the plan of how this is to be done? <laughs> and and so I think I think he does that. I, I, and, and you know what? My suggestion always to people who are having struggles is, as I say, is there something that can be done? I, I know it's not going to solve your problem. I know naming the animals is not going to solve your problem, Adam. You're still going to be alone. But we probably do need to get the animals named. That's probably a good project, right, because we can't go around and say that big brown thing over there. That's not going to work. So that's usually what I tell people when they come and they're having struggles. Is there anything possibly you can do? Well, then do it. Just do it. But don't necessarily expect that will solve your problem, but it's still a good thing. So so do that good thing. And then something else might happen, and that brings us to the next verse of our text. Should we go to the end, 21 to the end? Yeah, yeah, might as well. Okay, here we go. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept one of his ribs and closed it up with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they should become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So now so, so a, woman gonna... enters, a woman enters. Tell us more. So, so when people would come to me in their struggles and trials, you know, my, my first thought would be, okay, well, 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 my first thought would actually be to tell them about a God who, who actually knows what they're going through, which is a remark. You're not going to get that from any other God. I'm sorry, Buddha won't do it. Allah won't do it for you. Only, only our God can truly comprehend what we're going through, and He wants to do something about it. And he wants to do the very best thinking about it. But, but anyway, so I would always say, well, well are there things that can be done? Uh, and don't think of them as terms that will solve the problem, but they're just things that, so do the things that you need to be do. Do, do affect everything you can do. And then, well, then take a nap. Go to sleep. Because when you wake up in the morning, maybe things will be different. Maybe something will happen uh, that you had not anticipated, that you you had never even expected. And then maybe all of a sudden what you were so concerned about won't really be as big a deal as what you thought it was. Uh, and, of course, personally having experienced that, although sometimes you have to go to sleep several days and several months and several years before you wake up and say, oh, oh, there it is. There's the thing I've been looking for. Because that's what happened, isn't it? He gets up, uh, God takes a rib from his side, and we could spend time talking about the significance of that. But but the key thing, he gets up and he says, wow, this is now bone of my bones. This is better than anything I ever dreamt of. It sure does beat the monkey. <laughs> right? I, I thought the monkey might make a good companion, but oh, no, no, no. Boy, I'm glad we didn't settle for that. Um, so anyway, it's just such a beautiful story of God doing what he's going to do for every one of us, that someday we're going to wake up and everything that we thought could not be solved and couldn't be taken care of, it all of a sudden will be. It'll be just the perfect thing, uh, that which was fit and proper for us. Um, and this is and this is where uh, the translation in verse 23, my pastor, Mary Day, said, and when Adam says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And really, the translation should be more like, and Adam said, wow. <laughs> I thought that was great. So, Pastor, we have, a, about, a, we have about a minute left. Is it, it ends with this understanding of the one flesh. We look at all of Genesis 2. How would you summarize this and encourage our listeners? 
Well, I'm actually going to discourage the listeners. I'm sorry, Brady, but to come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. Because, see, isn't this so – so I, I'm doing this again. Think of this as an adult instruction. and we, We've talked about the God who cares and the God who's going to answer our needs. And we just do whatever we can do. But no, don't worry about solving your problems. Just love people, take care of them. And know in the end you'll wake up and there will be this wow thing that you're talking about as it was. And, and then it ends in the man and his wife are both naked and we're not ashamed. And, and then I would say, so obviously something has changed. Because if I was standing before you here naked, I would feel really uncomfortable. And if you were naked, I would feel even more uncomfortable. So obviously things are no longer the way they were when God made them and made them very, very good. And so come back tomorrow and you're going to learn what happened. Uh, what What's giving us the world we have now, where so many of the things I've talked about just don't seem like they're true anymore. But but. But trust me, they are true. We still have the same God of compassion, the God who understands, the God who's going to give us what, not just something, but the very fittest, best, most proper thing for us. And in fact, he has done, done that, his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, but first, we've got to realize there's a big problem. And, and God's going to take care of that big problem, too, isn't he, Brady? Yeah. Yes, Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 2. Pastor Lekomsky, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thank you, Brady. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.